Hey friends, welcome back to Flourishing in Faith. If you're on your daily walk, drive to work or school, or simply just making dinner, I pray these conversations bring glory to God and ultimately draw you closer to Him. I decree that your relationship with Jesus will flourish and faithful fruit will be the evidence of that. Alrighty friends, welcome back to Podcastmas in day 22. I'm so excited for today and just for the new day that we have here um, to be able to praise God on this earth. And I'm so excited to talk about verse chapter not verse <laughs> chapter 22 so in chapter 22 it starts back in passover so this is the feast of unleavened bread which means which is also passover same thing so passover is happening and at the time in verse 3 it says that satan entered judas and so i thought that was interesting so i went and researched that and in my commentary was saying how Satan prompted and perhaps even guided Judas in his crime. This does not diminish Judas's personal responsibility because none of this was a, was done against the will of Judas, but with it. So it just kind of shows how ultimately Satan is the enemy here. But it did not d- diminish, like it says, Judas's actual personal will because he has a will to say no and to not do what the Satan wants, what Satan wants him to do. So, thought that was really interesting. And then in verse 7 through 15, they prepare for Passover and they get the the house ready, they get the, the food ready and everything and their preparation for Passover and for the Lord's Supper. Then in verse 14 through 23 is the Lord's Supper. And we talk about this a lot in the church, especially around Easter time, because a lot of this is about about what happens on Easter, what we celebrate on Easter, which is the um, the burial, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and ascension. But the Lord's Supper happens. So Passover at this time was to basically celebrate being freed from Egypt and have them becoming a nation. But this new Passover also creates a people, those united in Jesus Christ, remembering and trusting in his sacrifice. So it's a new covenant, like it says, a new Passover that is for those who are united in Christ in the new covenant. So it talks about the bread and it talks about the cup. So the body and the blood. This is how we remember what Jesus has done for us. And as we eat the bread, the bread represents the body of Jesus. We should remember how Jesus was broken, pierced, and beaten with stripes for our redemption. And then as we drink from the cup, and that his is, is his blood, we should remember that his blood, his life was poured out on Calvary for us. And Jesus talks about how there is a new covenant and it is still by blood. It is a inner transformation from sin and into a relationship with Christ. And this is that new covenant that he's talking about, that they don't, that he's, he's kind of explaining it in this way that there is something new happening, that it's not in the Old Testament where they had to sacrifice and to atone for their sins, sacrifice the animals to atone for their sins, but Jesus is now atoning for all of our sins. And if we could come to him and repent and find freedom in Jesus, instead of literally sacrificing a lamb to the priest every time we have fallen short of the glory of God or to atone for our sins. This is his new covenant 
and this is inner transformation. It's not necessarily just an outward transformation. It is an inner transformation, God in us, which is the Holy Spirit, and that is the the goal of all of this is the Holy Spirit will come inside of us, and that was that happens in whenever Jesus ascends and, and acts, and the Holy Spirit falls on the people of God, and that's something that oh, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Then in verse 24 through 30, it directly after the Lord's Supper, I find this interesting, directly after the Lord's Supper, the disciples are now arguing about greatness. So they are, they ask, they have to dispute among them, in verse 24 it says, that which one of them could be considered the greatest. After Jesus had just told them all the things that he told them about the sacrifice that he's going to make, <laughs> they still want to know who's the greatest and apparently this was a common conversation among the the disciples and in all reality who is the least of these (laughs) will be great and that's pretty common in jesus's teachings so then what really stuck out to me is in let me go see what verse this is that is in Verse 25, Jesus is talking and he's answering their, their question about who's the greatest. And he says, the kings of the Gentiles answer lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. So I wasn't totally sure what benefactors mean. So I went ahead and researched that. And basically that's the idea of getting credit for serving. So these Gentiles and their serving, they wanted to get credit for it. They maybe wanted to get something back for it and that for their serving and for what they did. That's what a benefactor is. But Jesus is the opposite. Is a It's a cheerful giver of serving. And those verse 27 talks about who is greater he who sits at the table or he who serves. It is not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus is our example. We, we always say he is the one who serves. That's who's great. That's who's great. Not the one who is a benefactor, like it says in verse 25, that wants to serve to get credit for something. No, it's a person who serves without something in return one who just serves and that's their goal it's their life goal to serve and I think we often want to get our share of a lot of things but in all reality this life isn't about us and we have to serve Jesus was the best example he served people he served the people of God (laughs) and he because he loved them because he had unconditional love for people is exactly what we need to have. Alrighty, and then verse 31 through 34, Jesus is predicting Peter's denial. So Jesus is predicting, telling telling Peter that you're going to deny me three times before the rooster grows. And basically, it's something that really stuck out to me is in verse 31, it says, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. In verse 32, it says, But I have prayed for you. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So, first of all, Satan was to sift you as wheat. I mean, that's not just Peter. That's pretty much everybody. Satan wants to sift us as wheat. He wants to ultimately destroy us. And then there's a big but here. But 
I have prayed for you. This is Jesus talking. He has prayed and interceded for you. And it is both wonderful and moving. That is most wonderful and moving that, or to remember that Jesus prays for his people protecting us from Satan. Think about that for a second. Jesus prays for you. He intercedes for you. If you're in the beloved, Jesus intercedes for you. That really hit me home. That he loves me so much that he intercedes for me. Oh Lord, that is just beautiful. And then he prays for him, not just prays for him in general, but prays for him that his faith should not fail. That it may falter, but it will not fail. That Jesus did not see temporary lapses that was that was to come as a failure of faith because he knew that Peter would return to him. He knew that's what it, that's what it was. So he he knew that Peter would eventually return back to him. So he said, I pray that your faith would not fail. That you would be steadfast in your faith. That you would not fail. You may have a temporary lapse or you may falter in your faith, but it would not fail. You'll get right back up, immediately back up. And I, I pray that for you guys too. That if you may be in a season where you may be falling over, but you will not fail. Because there is a God who intercedes for your faith. Hmm. He intercedes for your faith. That he wants you to have faith in him. Jesus wants you to have faith in him. He desires for this relationship with you that is built on trust and faith. And he prays for that. He prays and intercedes for you for that. Mm. Just beautiful. And then in verse 30 through 46, um, there, I don't know if it's 30 through 46. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> that is 39 through 46. Not, that's not 30. 39 through 46. It talks about Jesus's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's really interesting because I actually been, I, I've been there and I actually got to pray where Jesus prayed. And the biggest prayer that I was praying there was repeating the, the words of Jesus that nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I remember that so vividly. And I remember feeling the presence of God so strong in that place of where Jesus had cried bloods of tears, shed, shed bloods, blood of t- tears, tears of blood. Yeah, tears of blood and just in agony praying that God would take the cup from him and if not, that his will would be done. And I was praying that over my own life, that God, whatever your will will be for me, let it be done. Let it be done. I was in full surrender mode. And I think I'm in the same boat as I am now. Then, that was about a year ago, that God, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I love the word nevertheless. I actually got it on my ring that I got in Israel. It is a ring that I have and it says in Hebrew, nevertheless. It's actually on my ring finger and it reminds me of that verse that nevertheless, it's not my will, but it's your will be done. And I'm just so thankful 
for God's will that prevails and that it prevails <laughs> and that it's for our good and it's not to harm us um, but it's for our good it is for our good and it's always been this verse has always been something that has really stuck out to me but another thing that stuck out to me this time that was different than never before was that I was talking about praying that you not enter into into enter into temptation so enter into temptation actually means to succumb to its evil power so basically Jesus tells him to not succumb to the evil power so it's not necessarily just temptation because temptation you could we all have temptation all the time but it's it's entering into the temptation that is when you succumb to the power to that evil power of the temptation so you are succumbing to it you are participating in it so praying that we may not succumb to temptation succumb to that evil power succumb to all these things so i feel like that's another thing that i'm at my prayer list I'm probably that I'm not going to enter that into that temptation of even scrolling, of even watching a YouTube video, or even doing all these things that may not be best for me, that may not get me closer to heaven. So it's just something that really stuck out to me that time. And then in verse 47 through 53, Jesus is betrayed and arrested, betrayed with a kiss by Judas, as we saw and we've read before, and then arrested by, it says, by a multitude, by the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him. So there's a multitude coming to Jesus. And we've heard the word multitude before with the multitudes that surrounded Jesus, but this is a different type of multitude. This is a multitude of religious leaders, of priests, of captains of the temple, of elders. So this is a a different type of multitude, but it's multitude. I'm thinking this is a large amount of people coming to Jesus. They think this is going to be something that, that's going to come down with a fight, but in reality, it's it's not. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, uh, Peter did um, I think it was Peter. Yep. Um, yeah, he did cut his ear off. Um, so <laughs> that is true. There was a little bit of violence, but Jesus put the ear back, so we're good. <laughs> and then in verse 54 through 62, come back to what Jesus, what Jesus predicted that Peter would deny, he actually denies. And what really stuck out to me was it the very last verse in the section in verse 62 talks about so Peter went out and wept bitterly and it was appropriate for him to weep bitterly because he had just betrayed Jesus um but but Peter was not without hope because Jesus had previously just told him and promised him that your faith should not fail but Peter failed but he did not fall away I mean because Jesus had told him that he was praying over him so he, yes, he failed, but he did not fall away. And I think that is amazing. <laughs> All right. Then in verse 63 through, through 71, it is talking about Jesus being facing the Sanhedrin and being mocked and beaten and what really stuck out to me was in verse 64 how it says prophecy who is the one who struck you so the men who had held jesus basically mocked him and beat him and they blindfolded him as he was doing this and so they were basically being blasphemous towards christ asking him who struck you you know even though he couldn't even see 
um, who it was because he was blindfolded. And then in verse 66 through 71, it talks about him facing the Sanhedrin. And then basically telling him, if you're the Christ, then tell us. And he, Jesus says it right out that they will not believe him because he knows, he knows their hearts. And he said they will not believe him. And then they asked him if he was the son of God. And he said, you rightly say that I am. And basically they said, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard ourselves from his own mouth. So basically, they still don't believe him. Jesus still said, I know that you won't believe me. Even if I told you that I'm the son of God, you won't believe me. And he did, ultimately. And then we get into the saddest part of the whole thing is Jesus's, um, Jesus's death. And then we'll, we'll cover that tomorrow in Luke 23. Alrighty, friends. I hope that this is something that you learned. I learned a lot out of this. I, you know, got a lot out of it. It was a really, really good chapter of the, the Bible. I'm, I'm just, it just makes me so much think, so much more thankful for Christ. Have some more appreciation for him and who he is. And, what really stuck out to me is that the Lord prayed for Peter and that he prayed for him that his faith should not fail. And I just think that's something that really stuck out to me, that Jesus, the Son of God, prayed for Peter and he prays for us. It's just something so beautiful to just consider and to think about. Alrighty, friends. I'm so excited to see you tomorrow. Podcast is day 23. I hope you have an amazing day, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye, friends.